Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But it's not just any bay. It's a Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast for two men who have never watched Baywatch before. Try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And uh, guess what, Michael? What? It's a special episode. Again? How many of these we've special... we ourselves... How many special episodes can we have? Well, it is the 90s, which was the time of the special episode. Oh, that is true. Um, but this... This is not an episode about drugs or an episode about bullying or an episode about, I don't know, Christmas. What else did they have very special episodes about in the 90s? Gambling. I'm too young to remember. Um, Yes, gambling, definitely. Um, But it's a special episode because we've got ourselves yet another guest who has, for some reason, agreed to watch Baywatch and then come talk about it with us. (laughs) Yes. John, welcome to the show. Where am I? How did I end up here? (laughs) That that frequently happens with Baywatch. You just end up in like a weird vortex and you can't escape it for the five years it takes you to review this show. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm duct taped. What's going on? (laughs) God, I just watched quite possibly the worst best episode of television in the history of television. You say that, but there's other episodes of Baywatch. (laughs) Yeah, a whole lot of them, in fact. Yeah, How how many seasons of Baywatch are there? Eleven. Eleven seasons. And two spinoff shows. Uh, yes. There's the Hulk Hogan one season <laughs> spinoff where he has the talking boat. And then there's the oh X-Files God. spinoff, Baywatch Nights. Oh, my Lord. Like, I knowing like just this is the only episode of Baywatch I've ever watched in my life. Just full sure. like clarity. You know, as as we're talking about the things, I'm going to be referencing actors names, maybe not their character names. I'm just fascinated that these characters were able to live. For more than multiple episodes. Just a few episodes. <laughs> uh, some of them don't. That's yeah. That's the thing. Because their ability to human just feels so. Whew, it needs some work. Yeah. It needs some mm-hmm. work. We should, we should probably get some context. John, you, you have been for many years an actor. Oh, I mean, I guess that's a term you could apply to me. But yeah, I dabbled. <laughs> once, I dibbled, once, dabbled in once the upon acting. a time. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. When I was younger, I mean, I would always be cast as like the the like the luckless loser in the corner who can't get the girl like that type of vibe. So immediately <laughs> I'm like vibing with Guido. I'm like, yo, oh, no. it's my type. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> if I were in Baywatch, I'm like, there's my character. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, a- as an actor, and this is the fun part is like, because I was classically trained at Carnegie Mellon University School of Drama, one of Ooh. the most prestigious art uh, groups in the world. Ooh-ha-ha. And uh, and then, yeah, I started making dick jokes on the Internet for a living. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I guess my path really lined up for me appropriately. I feel like. I mean, honestly, given how many dick jokes Shakespeare makes, that is still a classically trained thing to yes. do. Mm-hmm. I see you have a rapier emerging from thine hand. Yes. It's like, uh, I don't know. I, you know, as an actor, I, I just grew to appreciate all this as we discuss, like, the incredible character development of each of these folks mm-hmm. and what they want and mm-hmm. desire from every scene. Mm-hmm. Like, every, I will say, in every scene, each person had a motivation. They were going for something. Typically, it was to satisfy their their nether region interests. <laughs> but like, they at least had a motivation, and that made me super happy as I was watching. Yeah, you know, some yeah. some television shows just can't figure out how to write motivation, but Baywatch 
truly maybe the greatest show of all time for figuring that out. <laughs> hey, you know, you got the Hoff, classically trained performer, mm-hmm. Broadway singer. Yeah. Like, they, they know what they're doing. And as soon as I saw his face come on screen, I was like, you know what? I'm going to buckle up. This is going to be a comfortable journey. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe, John, actually, I think maybe you're more like Hasselhoff than Guido. You know, uh, you know done musical theater, acted, uh, sex symbol, you know. Maybe you are the hot. <laughs> I mean, you know, I did. I used to sing This Is The Moment, which is the titular track from Jekyll and Hyde. Ooh. I've never seen the Hoff perform in Jekyll and Hyde. I, I that was did, one of my vocal warm-ups. I did see oh, that, nice. uh, but only that song while I was trying to buy The Room at a video store. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I have seen that. I, I will make sure that uh, I, I share it with all of you just so you can embrace the vibrato. That comes oh. from Hoff on Broadway. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited. The the moment he finds enough O's in the word moment. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 I think I think we could cash all of those in and make a good fortune. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of cashing in, let's talk a little about this episode. That's totally not like a drug deal that's fronted. Anyways, um, <laughs> this is Baywatch season three, episode 18, Stakeout at Surf Rider Beach. And it was written by Jim Hilton. Uh, he wrote this episode in 1993 and then waited 14 years before he wrote anything else. And <laughs> it was a short called Drag, which is not a Listen, bu- uh, mm-hmm. when you're on top, you got to go out on top. Oh, when you write a, a gem like this. Yeah, it's an opus. It's yeah, an opus. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it is the equivalent of Hamlet. Right. <laughs> what, what the Baywatch is equivalent of Hamlet or TV is equivalent no, of Hamlet? Just this Ham, episode is Hamlet's equivalent, equivalent of Hamlet. Hamlet's equivalent of Hamlet. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, anyways, he wrote a short called Drag, which is not about drag, but rather about dragging someone into something. That's less ah. cool. And then he wrote two episodes of a show called One Minute Maniacs, which are a series of one minute horror films. Uh, oh. Ripped it off from five second. Films. He did rip I it off. Call on original. He did. Uh, the first episode he wrote was called Livestream. And the plot is she thought she could live stream his indiscretions on the Internet. She thought wrong. Okay. Um, also, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> is that the end of the episode? She likes live streams it, and she's just like, "Oh, I guess I was wrong." Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a one minute horror film. What can you do with sixty? I, I mean, you can do a lot, but I don't know. Uh, also, it's just a toy. When a woman threatens to leave her deadbeat boyfriend, he confronts her with a child's toy. But is it just a toy? That's that's the plot. Uh, and then it turns out it is. I feel like this is just honestly like titles that you would find on. What, there's a subreddit where it like leads you in of like clickbait. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> here's what five professionals tell about you not getting enough sleep. And then it gives you like, oh, they just said you should get more sleep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, save you the click. I think that's what it was. Saved you a click. Yeah. These yes. are saved yeah, you yeah. a click. Horror films. <laughs> exactly. I, and I think honestly, uh, maybe the, the scariest part of a film is watching it and having to just sit there and waste your life. Unlike this yeah. episode. Uh, and oh, no. you know who we have to thank for directing this episode? And that's Baywatch actor Parker Stevenson, who played Craig in season one. Uh, oh. Yeah, another Parker Stevenson joint. Um, it was honestly better directed than m- most Baywatch episodes, because most Baywatch yeah. episodes are Gregory Bonin, who 
you know, yeah, he has the curse of having created the show, inspired the show, and then for some reason directing it when he wasn't up to task. Uh, yeah. And then there were major challenges with the directing approach of this show, as we're going to go into there's there's action. Mm-hmm. There's romance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's musicals. There's music videos. Yes. There, just going across that scope in a singular episode of television is quite possibly one of the most difficult things as a director oh, to, yeah. to accomplish. And it was accomplished. Yeah. It's like harder than playing a sport, you know. <laughs> Way harder because you'd have to know all sports. There's also a really bad director in this episode. Yes, there is. And you have to direct a director. Nobody likes that. A director does not like getting directed. I'm <laughs> led to believe. Uh, who who directs the directors? <laughs> Shakespeare, I guess. Apparently. Um, and so, anyways, this episode was aired February fifteenth, nineteen ninety three. Let's talk about some guest stars. So, firstly, Chris Fior plays Brad. He plays this character mostly uncredited in ninety six episodes of this show. Which is oh wow wild. Uh, he's been doing this since season three, episode four, and I have not noticed him. Um, <laughs> I don't know who he is at all. Um, he also yeah. he also appears in Baywatch Nights as Brad. Um, well, yeah, maybe we'll finally learn who he is because I assumed you were going to tell me who Brad was because I also did not remember well, Brad in this episode. What we'll have to do because uh, he's uncredited, we'll have to do is we'll have to look at him. In the tw- in his most important role, which is in the 2018 movie Destroyer, starring Nicole Kidman and Tatiana Maslany as ice Ooh. cream shop customer. Sure. And then we'll recognize what he looks like there and then travel back in the past and look at every single person and be like, that's our Chris right there. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. <laughs> that's our Chris. <laughs> Just that's our Chris. Uh, there are a lot of uncredited actors in this episode. For example, Corey Schwartz plays Boy and later gets <laughs> upgraded to the less of a jobber, but still a Jamoke role of Connor. Um, there was also sure. Frisbee Girl, who is played by Bobby Sunday Star, not to be confused with Bobby Star, who is a porn star, 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 um, <laughs> which is why she had to call herself Bobby Sunday Star. Uh, Makes sense. Next, everyone knows there's no porn on Sundays. The whole internet just shuts down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's the porn Sabbath, you know. It's uh, it's blue laws, but just you know. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, D- Darren Heems plays Sturgis. You may know him from things like 1992's Doctor Giggles. Are you aware of Doctor Giggles? Oh my I mean, god, Dr. Giggles was great. Wait, have you seen it? Yes. Oh. Dr. Giggles, the horror flick, right? Yeah, I didn't expect anyone yes. to know this. Oh, oh my no. god, I loved like VHS horror. Dr. Giggles is a gold mine of like late night, like sleepover, just junk film. Why don't you uh, describe it then? It's probably better than me reading the IMDb description. So <laughs> so here's the thing. The the there's a guy. So Dr. Giggles is all about if I remember this. Oh, hell, this was what, a 90s, early 90s, 92. Uh, wasn't it like a crazy dude goes to town uh, believing he's a doctor and then kills people? Yes. I feel like that's the pre- I feel like that's like the loose premise of what that was, was like, dude is nuts, goes to this town and then just starts going crazy. It, it, they say that the IMDb description adds that. But also 
his goal is to give one of the townspeople a heart transplant, which yes, what? Yes, that makes uh, no sense. There was a girl, um, something, <laughs> something like that, something, something with a girl. I remember. There was a girl. <laughs> wow. But the, but the thing is, like, I just remember, like, the VHS b- box cover was so iconic because if I if I recall, it's like the box the box art was dude standing and he's got his like scalpel and then it was his eyes if i remember correctly he's scalping his eyes no no it's it's, it's like <laughs> it's like the action shot of like him posing with a scalpel but then there's like a photo of his eyes let me see here is Fox is, art is dr. dr giggles the teeth version of dr sleep <laughs> mm, no dr sleep is is like it's still got the doctor thing going on but dr oh, sleep it's is that like guy? he's dr giggles oh, that actor. yeah there we go yeah 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 I've seen so, this actor. Yeah, that's the cover art right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's got his mask on. He's got the little, like, the doctor has a knife on it with a blood strike. <laughs> uh, but wait, so the, the dude who played, you said his name was Sturgis? Yes. Was in this? Yes. Uh, wait, who did he play? Darren Heems. Uh, the, let's, let's look it up. Uh, I didn't I'm think you would know this, so I didn't feel like I needed to say the name of the character. <laughs> oh no, I'm going. I'm going deep in now on okay. Doctor Giggles. Forget hell Baywatch. yeah. Uh, he played the character <laughs> called Stu. Stu. Who the hell was Stu? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hang on. Wait, he has a uh, like fifth, like twentieth billing or something. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, 10, I'm trying 11. to see. He has thirteenth billing, the most cursed number. Ooh! You ever want to be thirteenth build? Does he die in this, or is he just like a passive character? Is he one of the folks who gets killed? Oh, there's Hang pictures. On. Is here. there? Oh, yeah, here. Wait, here. I'll, I'll send you a link Giggles. right here. Here's an IMD. Oh, I should probably just save the picture. You know, I mean, probably that's probably. <laughs> oh, it's HD. Oh shoot! Oh my god! Wait, he looks kind of like himself in Baywatch. Yeah, he's yeah the guy with the blonde hair. Yeah. Okay. Also, All I right. did not know old English came in cans. Hey, you know, it's it's a time for for just change. That was what the 90s <laughs> yeah. were, yeah. right? True. We had True. Crystal Pepsi and we had that in cans. Economic <laughs> revolution. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Dr. Giggles, one of the the worst horror flicks. Um oh yeah, dude gets killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the guys that gets killed. There's this death photo. There it is. You want um, yeah. you got the transplant. You want to know something else he was in? Uh, Darren Heens was also in the 2002 movie Simone, which is spelled S1M0NE uh, because it's about sure. computers. And he oh. plays oh. he plays premier audience member, um, which <laughs> is probably as big of a role as his co-stars Al Pacino, Catherine Keener, and Winona Ryder play. I'm sure. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, well, they're 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 premier audience members two, three, and four. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, in the movie, what happens is Al Pacino is a producer, and his movie star walks off set, so he has to think on his feet and says, "I'll just make a digital actress." And so he does. Al Pacino makes an immediate digital actress on the spot, and he gets worried because everyone's too into her, and she's fake. So this is the sequel to AI. Yeah, or that Disney Channel movie where they do the exact same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Huh. But I'm sure oh. it's all about the pre- premier audience member. You weren't going to mention that Jim Rash is in this I, in a very early role? I, I was supposed to be like a little nugget for you to find later, you know, when, ah. when you go back and clearly and, look at everything we talk about. 
And oh. Evan Rachel Wood. Holy shit, this cast is stacked. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, this was like Jim this was Jim Rash right before they broke out with the Home Alone uh sequel that just launched. I mean, this is this is yeah. prime. Jay Moore is Hal Sinclair. <laughs> There were too many actors to list. That's the problem. <laughs> this is the thing. This is a star-studded cast. This is on par with Crash, on, on par with Magnolia. Baywatch. Um, <laughs> Baywatch. I mean, this is, this is top-notch. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You want to know what else is top-notch? What? That's Salvatore. Z- Ooh, I'm going to fuck up this last name. Zureb. X-E-U-R-E-B. R-E-B, sorry, I just pronounced his last name again. <laughs> Zurev. And he plays... But, yeah? Yeah? Which character does he play? Dorsch. Dorsch, okay, great. The person with the name you can't pronounce plays the character of Dorsch. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Dorsch, you know him. You may know him from playing uh, Levon in 1991's Born to Ride, starring John Stamos. Do you know about this movie? No, but I nope. do know about Big Stan starring Rob Schneider, where he's also in. Oh, we're oh, I was going to get to that next. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. I have a bit about this. Oh, but, no. But first, we got to talk about Born to Ride because it comes first, especially okay. since, Morgan, this is a movie almost tailor made for you. Ooh. Because the U.S. Army is starting a motorcycle squad. <laughs> so they ask a delinquent biker to join them for an important mission. Now, the context here is that they decide they needed to modernize their horse unit. So they chose motorcycles. Sure. And and that secret mission. Buckle up. OK, here's what yeah. it is. It's to free a nuclear scientist and his daughter from captivity in a castle owned by Francisco Franker. Francisco Franco, dictator of Spain, and it can't be reached via parachute, so they're using a motorcycle festival as a cover. Well, that sounds very dumb, and I do want to watch it. I know, right? It sounds amazing. <laughs> I want you know, to see that. When when you said buckle up, I, I if, from what I recall, you don't buckle up when you're on a bike, but it sounds like such a train wreck that maybe I should buckle <laughs> well, up for this if, one. Especially if you're a delinquent, you wouldn't buckle up. Buckles, buckles aren't for delinquents. They're for good kids. You know? They're especially not for John Stamos. Yeah, especially, he's too cool. It's like Chris Pratt, too cool. Uh, you may also know him from 2007's Big Stan starring Rob Schneider, which he also directed, where a weak con man panics when he learns he's going to prison for fraud. So he hires a mysterious martial arts guru who helps him transform into a martial arts expert who can fight off inmates who want to hurt or love him. So what? Yeah, that last part's very weird. Have you seen this, yeah. John? Yes, David Carradine's in it, man. It's like <laughs> David Carradine coming straight is, off of Kung Fu. Is, is David I think Carradine or Kill Bill? Does Carradine want to hurt him or love him? No, he's a trainer, man. He's the master. But he like can, the, he, can he not he's love? The, he's the guru. Can he not love? I mean, he can he can definitely kill you with just like a pattern of like pokes on your. Okay, body. that's he's hurt, like, <laughs> and that's hurt, not love. <laughs> that's, that's what I asked. It was it was clearly hurt or love. He hurts. <laughs> um, now, next up, uh, Morgan, I believe you have some information for us. I do. Our uh, final guest star that we're going to guest uh, star. Well, oh, well, I mean, yes. I mean, not. Yes. Uh, I like to think our podcast is bigger than the show we're reviewing. 
<laughs> That's just how this works. Um, is uh, our our lead woman in this uh, particular episode, and I'm going to butcher the fuck out of her name, uh, but it is Fabiana Udenio, I believe. I think that's Udenio. it. Udenio. 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 Wait, you're both you're both Italian esque, right? You can, yeah. <laughs> you, you, together, you can figure this out. But here's the thing: the world knows her by another name. Yes, yes, they, they do. sure they sure do. And uh, that name is a sunbather in RoboCop <laughs> Two in the Sunblock Five. Incorrect. No, that's correct. you straight off that. That is so oh, wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. Were you instead thinking of her as uh, Gabriella in Paulie Shore's film <laughs> The Army Now in 1994? <laughs> I was thinking. That's what I was. Thinking I was of. thinking of her character of Anna Bosco in The Wedding Planner in 2000. Ah, oh, also yes, actually, you should be thinking of that. A very, a very underrated role of hers. Yes. Um, but, you know, she was in 90210. She was in Jane the Virgin for a while. She was, yes. But the thing, the thing most people would, of course, know her from... Is this. ...is her role in Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery as a lot of vagina. Excuse yes. me? <laughs> can, you, can you please say that again? A lot of vagina. Thank you. <laughs> now, this is where I confess that I have actually never seen what? any of the Austin Powers movies. Wow, God. Um, okay. Canceled. So I, I actually rewatched the first one a few years ago, and that one held up more than I would expect. The second one really? is not. <laughs> um, oh, they all hold up. They all have their gems, whether it's the original with a lot of vagina and Saki Tumi. Uh, whether you go to the second one, the introduction of Mini-Me. Uh, if you go to the third, you have the wonderful moments of him eating his skin that he picks off his <laughs> yes. body. There's Ugh. so many gems. Or, or or the part in three where they uh, just decide to name some Asian characters some racist things. You know, just, you know, oh God, you know, <laughs> here's the thing. The 90s and early 2000s were a period of reform. Uh, to all of Hollywood, uh, really, and it was it was just such a hot mess. I'll be real; it was just the worst. It was just the worst. Uh, so. I don't think we've ever had anyone live beep themselves on the podcast before. Oh, I'm impressed. Oh, you got to be kidding me <laughs> this first time uh no i you know it made me so happy seeing fabiana in this episode i'm not gonna lie because that gave me some grounding for an experience of which i didn't know what i was getting into yeah it, and it's, it's it's because you see an actor or an actress where you think well, i haven't thought of them in a while wait they're in this and that's specifically why that i picked this episode moment. for you i had that same moment though with another of the guest stars uh in the episode who so so there, there was uh, Rhoda. Uh, was it Gem- Geminani? I think it was her name. Oh, the mom, mm-hmm. Mama. I specifically Mama. didn't pick her because I thought uh, nothing stands out enough for my. Are you kidding me? She's the real estate agent from Ghostbusters, y'all. Oh wait, she's she the is? one who sells oh. the firehouse. Whoa. Okay, I'd... I thought she looked familiar. As soon as I saw her, was like, oh my god, she's the one walking him through, and then Dan Aykroyd comes down the pole, and he's like, this is great. When can we move in? I'm gonna go grab my stuff. And then she's like, good, well, good. This, and it's the smile with good that I recognize. This is the sad part where I reveal that because of this discre- indiscretion I have made of not including her in my notes, my notes will no longer be entering the Library of Congress. <laughs> oh, they're incomplete. <laughs> they're incomplete. They can't. Yeah. They're not worthy. 
<laughs> well, here's the thing. It is saved because we can combine our notes. It's sort of like high school again, where we just all mm. copy each other to make it through. Uh, <laughs> that's what you did, right? That's, well, that's I, how I mean, you got into university. So definitely right? not me. No, never. Like. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely not. No, but I got so excited to see both of them because I'm like, oh, man, is all Baywatch like this? Like, is it yes. star-studded, no. recognizable 80s, 90s well, actors here's, here's all the coming thing. on movies? Sometimes it is. Like, episode three, like season one, episode three has David Spade, right? Oh, and then you get right. Mariska Hargitay before she started her, you know, 22 year stint on television. You get all these random people like uh, Brian Cranston was a villain you yeah. know, in an episode. Uh, we get uh, one I'm actually going to reference later in this. Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, who played Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat, was a, a villain of our favorite episode uh, last season. Mm-hmm. Um Wait a second. So there's a lot of Seinfeld crossovers, too, because I know like Rhoda, who plays Mama, was in an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, Brian Cranston was the dentist in Seinfeld. Yeah. Th- I feel like the 90s were just kind of like show hopping. Yes. People yeah. Just, like show hop. Yes. Yeah, so the, the two big Baywatch crossovers in terms of cast, um, Seinfeld definitely has a lot, though, partially just because they cast everyone and seemingly, apparently <laughs> fucking Jake and the Fat Man. Oh, yeah. Jake um, and the Fat Man. Everyone's Oh, my God. I forgot about Jake. Wait, and you the know, Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> Hell yeah, I do, man. What? Hell yeah. This is a season-long joke about this show, and no one's heard of it, and you've seen it. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Like, here's the thing. Like, I grew up on, like, taping stuff off television, and I remember distinctly, like, they would showcase, like, I'd be watching clips of Seinfeld or another show, and it'd be like, next up on Jake and the Fat Man. And they would show clips of, like, this action epic. So I'm just like, yeah, dude, let's do our Jake and the Fat Man. Like, I'm leaving this podcast. I'm going to another one. Right <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. We're probably going to end up, you know, in, in 17 years when we finish doing this podcast, do Jake and the Fat Man, because there's a 96-actor crossover between yeah. Jake and the Fat Man and Baywatch, which is yeah. nothing compared to like Silk Stockings, Falcon Crest, Days of Dude, Our Lives. All I feel like this is the right podcast for my age group because like I go on Twitch <laughs> these days and people are all about the Fortnites and the, you know, the crazy. John, you play Fortnite on your Twitch stream. <laughs> That is beside the point. What I'm trying to say is you just said Jake and the Fat Man, and I just got transported back. I'm glad to hear it because there's a lot of that. I mean, and there's a lot of shows that we talk about where randomly I have seen it uh, from the 90s, but Jake and the Fat Man is not one of them. (laughs) No. Yeah. Uh, I actually sent Morgan yesterday the Jake and the Fat Man intro uh, just to get us hyped for, you know, in 55 years from now when we started Jake the Fat Man podcast. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, this is our future right here. Yeah, We can start oh, a Jake the Fat Man podcast. Fat Man. Oh my God, I'm so ready for Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> and, and the thing is, with the logo, it's like freaking like word like font, if I remember. It was like silver. It was gross. Ew. It was just a gross <laughs> logo. I like it this. Like, because it just looks so damn cheesy. Like, it just, like there was only so many fonts available on like live to tape programming. Yeah. Uh, and they just cycled through everything. But yeah, it's just like Jake in like Jake and the is very small font. Uh, and then Fat Man was just like, boom, Fat Man. And it was just so good. <laughs> oh, my God. I, 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 I need to see huh. that. Morgan, we need to do what we did with Josh Kirby, Time Warrior, and watch this yes. as well. Which, all right, 
fuck you, John. You haven't seen Josh Kirby Time Warrior, I'm sure. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang <laughs> on. I gotta look this one up. Josh, Josh, actually, you you actually like Josh Kirby Time Warrior. I We liked it. Uh, I think it's up your alley. It's like a six-part, uh, like, TV movies about a kid who can time travel. Um, he can activate the time storm. Yeah, the time storm. Uh, there's a storm. It's it's time based. Um, there's there's mushroom fascists. Yes, there's very good. There's mushroom fat fa- 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 fascists. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, oh yeah, well, I'm looking at this. This one does not ring a bell, but it's also because I see it's registered here on. Oh yeah, o- only registered sex offenders watch this film. So I don't know why. <laughs> Trapped on Toy World with Josh Kirby? This thing looks horrifying. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. We watched the Mushroom episode, which is like un- in a cave somewhere. Oh, it's so good. There's a dinosaur episode. You'll have to watch the trailer. It's amazing. Human it's very pets? Good. Oh, my God. This whole thing looks absolutely horrifying. Now, <laughs> here, here's the thing. There's so much great, um, I guess, like spinoff programming and these like, like more interesting things. I, I'm, I have questions about this episode I watched, y'all. That All I right. need clarifications to. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. I need it. All right. We uh, we start off with Hobie and Mitch hanging out on the beach in Mitch's tower. And Hobie just doesn't want to go to school. Um, and Mitch is going to make some seafood gumbo tonight. But Hobie doesn't want that. He's going to make some dinner instead. We should clarify. Mitch is a terrible cook. We should clarify but, here. This is a two mm-hmm. season long joke that Mitch yes. sucks at cooking. Yes, there's there's no reason for it other than to give him a character. But (laughs) okay, here's where I need a clarification. I wrote this in my notes. He refers to his famous seafood gumbo. Yep. Was that ever discussed? What is contained within said gumbo? Uh, Absolutely not. Gumbo. He says it's a part of a healthy, balanced meal. And when I think of gumbo, I don't think of healthy, balanced meals. I think of like meat sweat. That's a (laughs) yeah. Because he's he's using gelatin in his gumbo. Probably healthy, (laughs) healthy gelatin helps helps build uh, your your uh, fingernails. So I heard. I this was I was waiting in a doctor's office and this this I I saw this woman and she had these really long nails and I said I like your nails and then she went on a 20 minute rant to me about gelatin brand gelatin and the routine you need to do to get your nails to grow this long and I said that's my therapist sorry bye and then I walked away and then I you should have told her about your world famous seafood gumbo that I you learned from Mitch I know I know <laughs> she would have loved it uh, of course, yeah. I didn't have any with me in my pants pockets. Uh, mm. Unlike Mitch, who probably carries it around all the time. Absolutely. He's got at least one loose shrimp on him at all times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> uh, but I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, but this this is also a weird episode. I mean, everything about this is weird. But for now, John, I, I hope you understand that his son's name is Hobie. Just we need to yes. clarify that for you. OK. Oh, great. absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, OK. Yeah. So his son's name is Hobie. So uh, Hobie is has decided that he has skills this episode uh, rather than mm-hmm. just being the Satan spawn that he normally is. Uh, <laughs> and also just being the worst version of the previous Hobie. Um, you know, I don't like this for him. I don't like him getting a characterization um, because it's going to make me enjoy him. <laughs> and I, I, I don't want to enjoy him. 
That's fair. That's fair. I mean, they do characterize him as basically the butler this entire episode, (laughs) which is great because about two or three episodes ago, uh, he couldn't take care of himself. So they hired a a hot house maid uh, who is so hot that Mitch had to fire her because otherwise he would sleep with her. Okay, okay, so this is what I want to understand. Okay, so So Mitch finds himself basically trying to dip his pen in the company ink way too frequently is what my understanding of the entire program. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You just described the maid, but there's the introduction of Fabiana's character, Mm -hmm. which I'm just like, everything about this interaction is wrong. Yes. Mitch, multiple times in season one, explicitly tells other characters absolutely do not try and date anyone you've just saved because there's a thing called post-drowning love or something (laughs) where the people you save will fall in love with you. That's the name of my uh, synth pop album, post-drowning love. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But come season three, he is, uh, this is like the third time this season. Yeah. He he has rescued someone and then tried to hit on them. He is horny. He is beyond horny. Yes. There's so much horn coming out of him. Yes. Like, okay, so mm-hmm. what happens to get her onto the beach is she gets whacked yeah. by a homing missile of a surfboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It just yep. comes out of absolutely no, like, when I saw this, I thought, okay, so maybe she's swimming and someone's going to attack her. Like, that's, that's kind of what would happen normally on Baywatch is, oh, she's swimming mm-hmm. to swim away from someone. No, she's just swimming and a guy beefs it and then the surfboard lands on her and she's fine. Like, normally people yeah. are like, oh, my, my neck is half cut off. And I'm like, I'll save you. No, <laughs> she's just like, ow, my shoulder. And he's like, better save you. Yeah. Uh, well, he, she says at that point, like, like, oh, I should have been more careful. I was swimming in this area. But then the, 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 the transition of the conversation is I should have been more careful. You just got knocked in the head. You may or may not have a concussion. Nope. Mm-hmm. When she's saying these things. <laughs> and mind you, her, 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 her introduction, she does not have any sort of accent. And he immediately responds to her pretty accent. There is no accent. She does not have an accent in this moment. And I think it's established that I was actually going to ask both of you about this, uh, considering you are both full blooded Italians. Um, <laughs> is this how is this how you speak? No. Oh, I mean, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> no, no, like how mama talks and Guido uh, talks. Also, yeah, for, for our beef boys, for our pod, mm-hmm. for our you know, Baywatch rookie school fans. Uh, originally, before I decided to just have executive dysfunction, a while back, I thought, wow, this episode description, what if we could get Luigi Primo? And I got the next best thing, which is John Brent's instead. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'm saying, like, that Guido is me, okay? <laughs> we go from this, like, this horn dog moment of, I saved you. Okay, you're from another country. Oh, this is fantastic. We're having this exchange. I don't know why he talks like that. All of a sudden, that's in my half voice. <laughs> yeah. And then goes to Guido. Whoa, 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 before, before we get to Guido, though, before we get to Guido, we got to <laughs> yeah. clarify that he he starts guessing where she's from, and he just says oh, Rome yeah. because he's a basic, and only oh. basics guess Rome. So then he, like a dipshit, says, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm from... Venice. She goes, well, you're from Venice? Venice, oh, California. Oh, the mm-hmm. other Venice. And I do, do want to give this intro props 
because it is the earliest in an episode we've ever learned a female character's name. Yes. Um, (laughs) Which is that we learned her name before roughly the 20 minute mark. Yeah. Um, The show hates women just like a lot. Oh, my God. That was the thing that my wife immediately caught up on when she saw me watching this. Mm -hmm. She was like, oh, my God. This is so problematic. It gets worse as the episode progresses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, but it doesn't oh. take years and years of life experience to see that this show hates women. Uh, <laughs> it takes like five, like five seconds. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, the, I, I say that, though, again, let's repeat. We have had someone uh, get mad at us on Twitter for shaming men for ogling women, um, which. Yes. Uh, Yes, for for verbally like okay. No, shaming so it, it, us, it, it, shaming us for wait, shaming, shaming men. Us for yeah. shaming men. Okay. Yeah. So here's the thing. Okay, when it comes to <laughs> ogling women, okay. Look, we all look at things that we find attractive. I'm looking at my dog Potato right now. Potato looks pretty great, but I'm not gonna whistle, cat call, or if Potato had a surfboard come hit them in the head, oh, I'm not gonna be like, hmm. This I'm is gonna a prime opportunity. hurts <laughs> Potato. Oh my god! Like, but what if Potato had a surfboard? Oh Ooh, I mean, you have oh, yeah. skateboards, oh. but what if Potato had a surfboard? But then he'd be the show. guy in this situation, and he'd be floating in the ocean. Meanwhile, you know, Fabiana would be knocked out. Like, okay, so if anybody <laughs> finds it to be wrong to call them out for verbally or placing women into uncomfortable scenarios. I'm sorry, Sir Baywatch fan, but that is not how you're supposed to operate in society. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hate to break it to you. Mitch is a warning sign of what <laughs> yeah. not to do. He wears red because he's a red flag. Exactly. Correct. He's a literal walking red flag. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know what isn't a red I flag? I never thought about that. You know what isn't a mm-hmm. red flag? That's Guido. But we should add, oh, this yes. is... Let me reveal something. I was going to wait to reveal this, but I, I found out this piece of information as well. And I was very sad. How do you know what I'm going to say? Oh, I have a guess. Break my heart. This is the last episode. Yeah. Series and podcast for Buzz Belmondo as Guido Torzini. This is oh. his swan song. Uh, Rip in peace, Buzz Belmondo. As, no. as they, not always good, but once in a while you are fucking hilarious. As they said, it makes sense. It, now. I mean, it does because <laughs> I mean, spoilers. Uh, you know, whenever uh, whenever a mom gets involved, you just gotta quit your job or die or something. <laughs> I don't, I don't. No, 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 no. His arc in this now makes sense. If this was his his final, as you said, the swan song, the final curtain, it makes sense. His arc in this episode. Yeah, but what gets us to that arc and that payoff moment all starts with his fashion. He, he, I think yes. he stole my wardrobe. Yeah, he actually <laughs> actually kind of did. I when I was watching this, I thought this is perfect that we have John on because I could fully insert John into an episode of Baywatch, and you wouldn't be that you know far off from. No, I <laughs> he was wearing a graffiti ball cap, tribal shirt, yep. and pink shorts. Yep, yep. that is my wardrobe. Yep, basically. Yeah. Now, question for you. Uh, because this is your first time seeing Baywatch, and I've been asking everybody this. Uh, what was it like just seeing Pam Anderson come on screen? I did not recognize her, to be honest. Oh. I didn't recognize. Really? So this is, people don't know this, this is the first season Pam Anderson was on. So she's new to the show. So yeah, uh, it's a, a, kind of a growing experience for her. Um, what people do all seem to agree on is that every person I've asked said has said, Wow, that was Pam Anderson. I didn't realize that at first. 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely had that entire moment. And also, she doesn't really add much to the show yet. No, she she's in other episodes much more heavily and is a fully decent character by female character on Baywatch standards. This okay. episode just does not use her at all. No, no it's all about, she, it's all about the boys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was she was what audience member or like excited audience member number one or whatever it was. This wasn't premier audience <laughs> member. This was premium <laughs> audience member. Okay, sorry, time. sorry. Premier, premier, premier. No, no, um, that uh, guy was premier. Pam Anderson is premium. You got you can't oh, have ah, two people named premier okay. audience member. You got to do premium. It's premier. True. Violate SAG rules. Other. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, um, what happens here is that. Guido gets a letter from his mama, mm -hmm. who was named Mama, um, mama. I think. I think. Mm -hmm. um, and no, everything is not all right, Summer and CJ, because it Guido, sure isn't. Guido has told his mama that he is a lifeguard, but we know that Guido is not. What is Guido, though? Is not. We do not really fully know. <laughs> He's kind yeah, of like it seems to change services. every episode. Yeah, he, yeah, sort of, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, he got promoted. To yeah. something. Maintenance engineer. Yeah. Premium custodial service. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, his accent in this scene is fucking all over the place. Yes. <laughs> um, it's normally decent, but like he was just like losing it every other line. And it was very funny. Yeah. No, I I this has made me love Buzz Belmondo again. I have a love hate <laughs> relationship with this man um, mm -hmm. from like, you know, a prior episode we were recording where. Uh, Guido's whole story is I want to fund a business where I wash windows and mm -hmm. I'm going to do it by making a rich heiress fall in love with me or a rich widow fall in love with me. And then he realizes mm -hmm. she only wants him for his body. And so he freaks out because she's overweight and fat people being horny is disgusting. Exactly. Um, God, this show, this, this show, show hates sometimes this show hates <laughs> not just women, but human beings. In fact, yeah. But yeah, but you know who doesn't hate Guido? It's his mom because his mom Mama. has never left her little village in Italy. So who yeah. knew that one day she would decide to just fly to Venice Beach, which I'm sure, mm -hmm. given that it's Venice Beach, will be exactly like Italy and not at all shocking or surprising. <laughs> <laughs> um, having been to Italy, but not Venice Beach. Pretty sure they're the same place. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> this scene also has one of, I think, the greatest lines in the history of cinema ever, which is mm -hmm. uh, CJ says, Guido, just tell your mom the truth. And he goes, oh, you don't know mama, um, which <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Morgan, you're right. I say that all the oh, time. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, totally. Constantly. Constantly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after uh, after this, we get a little weird black and white flashback scene, I think, where <laughs> Mitch and Garner are hanging out by a boat that will reuse this shot later in the episode for something completely different. And Mitch is sad that he only has one kid and feels like maybe Gail could be the one, I think, maybe. And then he's ready to Gail. settle down. And That's his ex-wife. Right, but I think this is supposed to be a flashback to when him and Gail were first no, dating. I think this is a flashback to later in the episode where Garner's wearing the exact same outfit. 
Well, that was my well, here's the Here's the well. thing. This is what's the interesting artistic choice that they did with this. When they're in the black and white scene, they're dropping frames. Yes. Meaning yes. the memory is not complete or we're in an inception moment. Ooh. I'm aligning with you. I think I'm it's both. On this one. I, I think it's maybe like a Psychonauts thing, you know, where something's ah. happening in their mind and, you know, and we have to fix it. So was this supposed to be a premonition? I'm so no. I think this is a flashback. I I I don't yeah. think I don't think Mitch ha- is a precog. I don't I don't I don't think you know. But God, how much cooler would it be if he was <laughs> so amazing, right? It would be Ugh. so amazing. Um, He's going around stopping pre-drownings. It would be so good. <laughs> that would be so. That would fundamentally change this show. Um, oh yeah. Does the show have crossover with Quantum Leap? Now I'm starting to think that we got oh, more. It, do, it does with X Files. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. And Gilligan's Island and um, Charlie's Angels. But the, mm-hmm. I would say the flashback moment for me w- was not only was it a great artistic choice to drop the frames and really give that moment of, oh, OK, we're back in this moment and talking about how our lives could be or what we need in our life. This was the moment where I thought, like, oh, he's going to be a reasonable gentleman, <laughs> which is then you ruined shortly <laughs> thereafter. Well, I just want to also ask, as the only one of us three who is an only child, um, I don't feel like it's necessary to be like, got to get that kid another kid, you know, um, <laughs> got to take up the bathroom because it's a learning experience. I, yeah. Do you feel like you've benefited from having a, a, a brother? Please explain. I would I would say so. Mm, I, I enjoy spending time with my brother. Lies. Um, we used to hate each other when we were kids and like punch each other all the time. But Mor- now we're on Morgan. Don't lie. Your, your mom listens to this podcast. And remember, <laughs> I have a blood feud going with your mom. So don't this say anything true. that's incriminating. This is true. <laughs> yes, I, I, I have a blood feud with Morgan's mom. Yes. Oh, well, geez. Well, that's that's horrifying. It's, no, it's, I, I, it started <laughs> from something that John would also start a blood feud with me about. Uh, oh, have you not heard this story? Michael uh, went on a long tangent about um, the the sharks and the jets, you know, the famous gangs from Greece. Oh, I know them well. Yeah, Greece. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I, look, I made a mistake. Okay? No, sorry. Guys and dolls is what you were actually thinking of. Yes, 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 yes. From Assassin. I was actually thinking yeah. of me and my girl. Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Avenue Q. There you go. There you go. Oh, my um, Morty. But yeah, speaking of Mitch being just terrible, uh, he brings an incident report form to Lena, who oh. needs to fill it out. But thankfully, she's all better now, and she's going to have herself a fancy life here in Hollywood with the Corvettes and the other things. Um, and the final question on the incident report, at least the way Mitch says it, is will you go to dinner with me? Um, and she does her best to weasel out of it, but Mitch is not going to take no for an answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a few things here that are very problematic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. First of all, the walk up to give the incident report. He takes his little life raft thing and he jams it into the sand. Killing. So aggressively. Killing sand particles. <laughs> I know. He stabbed yeah. the crap out of those sand particles coming up. <laughs> yeah. And then just does the casual check in. Um, mm-hmm. So. Well, I interpreted that once again, another great directorial decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, sexual tension. Mm. Oh, yeah. Aggressive sexual tension. 
Mitch is coming in here and saying, you are now mine. Incident report? It just like places. <laughs> it's like, this is my seed, my giant red seed. And you are going to take it. <laughs> but, then the, but then he transfers to like a child. So it's like, this is where we're yeah. seeing the polar opposites of the individual. One is the manly man. I am laying down my giant red lifeboat seed. <laughs> and then transitions to, I'm going to play tug of war with your cigarettes because I'm a child. You know, yeah. what, am I, I, what am I getting from him? To, I, to be I even more really, technical about it, they actually shoot him from like downwards up and her from upwards down and yeah. until he turns into a literal child and they're like, they're on the same level now. Yeah. I that smoking scene. So she's pulls out her pack of cigarettes and a lighter, and which will be important later, um, and he judges her for smoking, and she's like Europeans are just not health conscious like you Americans, which I did think was very funny. It was very funny. Um, but then also she's like, but hey, at least I'm not a vegetarian. Um, and I didn't get it. And I thought it was dumb. And Mitch is like, good, me either. Uh, um, another another question uh, here. Mm-hmm. As again, also the only non-smoker here. Uh, I must ask, if someone took away your lighter and then held it up and then said, go on a date with me. Would you, would you like that? I'd punch them in the face immediately. Okay. Yeah, smoker be... 20 plus years. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, Not I wasn't the... sure if that's, you know, something like pre-agreed upon and, and you know, in like the no. smoker, you know, now, rule book, code I will book. Clarify. I will clarify though. When I was younger, when I was a young smoker, which is obviously a great decision. Mm-hmm. As a kid, mm-hmm. Um, I would use cigarettes to pick up people in conversations because you oh, leave same. the bar, you keep isolated, and they'll come yep. out. And they're, it's guaranteed somebody's going to come out and say, can I have a smoke? Yeah, can absolutely. Get a off you. Yeah, and what and I would do is say, give me a story in exchange for that smoke. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That or, like, a joke or something. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. And, like... Also, even carrying a lighter during periods when I don't smoke was always great because lighting someone's cigarette is a great way to do a conversation opener at a bar. It, it, it's like second to like grabbing like a, a, a life preserver and jamming it in the sand. <laughs> like, I had the option between the two, definitely going for the aggressive. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, but a lighter. Yeah, no. What, what he was doing in this was just. I, I don't know. It, it's. I'm trying to understand, Mitch. Is he a, a dominant individual? Is he just a <laughs> child and thinks he owns everything? It's, it's I, a, I can't it's figure it out. It's a bit out. of everything. It's very, yeah. it's very weirdly written. Um, one of the things we enjoy most, uh, like actually enjoy, is the way they write Mitch and Garner and then Mitch and Hobie. And those are mm-hmm. always like great. And um, we had an episode uh, a few episodes ago where it was Mitch and his dying dad. And I cried during that episode. I thought it was really Mm -hmm. good. And then you get episodes like this where he's like, hey, do you want to do you want to have sex? Uh, (laughs) And it's like, who was who was that guy a few episodes ago? Where is he? I want him back. Mm hmm. Um, But it is it is at this point that Garner shows up on his ATV and he's real happy for Mitch because Lena's hot and uh, Garner wants Mitch to fuck. Um, (laughs) And then we find out, guess what? Lena's already got herself a Corvette um, and some thieves see this. So they follow her home to rob her. Now, now I did actually look up their license plate number. Um, 
Oh, I found no registered? matches. What a bunch <laughs> of criminals. <laughs> wow. Now, now that's that's a huge thing. Now, here's the extra directorial choice. Like the director, I'm telling you, this is a gem of cinema. So y'all have seen sketch dudes in white vans. Oh, yeah. This uh-huh. van is black. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's we changed it up with the uh, Californian skies. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then they because obviously with cinema you have to Greek objects. So the, the, that term just means you have to change the text. Like if you're wearing a Nike shoe, you have to like paint over it. Right. You know, if you're driving a car, they failed to do that with the side piece the, of like next to like the 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 doors where it said uh, Chevy. But they did gaff tape the wheels. But they only did it with a real poor black piece of gaff tape <laughs> just across across of it. <laughs> and it was just like, wow, they just did a real shit off yeah. that. This, oh, yeah. this is from the same show that also never put there were no animals harmed in the making of this episode. So mm-hmm. I'm not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had to they had to Greek a um oh, what was it? A champion sweatshirt in like season one, and they just took a small piece of duct tape and like put it across the middle of the word diagonally. Like (laughs) it was the absolute funniest shit. Yeah, exactly. This show is honestly a kind of a gift from the gods. Oh yeah. Um, but once Lena gets home, she has a package waiting for her and then the robbers kidnap her. Um, and then we go back to headquarters where CJ and Summer are saying, we can't help you fake being a lifeguard Guido. We could lose our licenses and our jobs. I um, mean, he's like, that's fine. I have until tomorrow to figure out my plan. And then, uh oh, who's that? Mama's oh, here. Oh, oh, she oh. showed up early. Actually, um, I, I have some lines from this scene. And oh. John, I was hoping you could uh, act these lines oh. for me. Oh, yeah. Happy to. Can I can I sweep as ineffectively as he does in that scene as well? Because <laughs> how the hell was he getting anything with the floor the way he was sweeping? I, I mean, this is a podcast, not a vodcast, but sure, go for it. Uh, okay, yeah. Great. Perfect. I'll uh, act this one out. Here are your lines. Uh, please okay. read these. Okay. All right. Perfect. All right. Um, do you want me to do the, the, the shifts in the voices, too? I want you please. to act okay. the hell out of this. Yes. Mama. Guido. Mama. Guido. Mama. Guido. It was just the most wholesome moment. It was very good. It was very cute. It was very cute. And I was like, oh, oh no, I'm I'm liking a Guido storyline again. Yeah. My note here is Guido and mom are so happy to see each other again. And it was very wholesome. I I thought it was going to be that Guido doesn't actually want to see his mom, but he does too. He actually likes his mom. Crazy. Um, And seeing this, CJ and Summer decide maybe we can help you out a little bit and tell him that his shift starts at 7 a.m. I I totally forgot to tell you something. Um, um, Yes. And that's that. uh, So. Uh, John mentioned the actress's name is uh, Rhoda Gemignani, uh, and she was in Jake and the Fat Man for two episodes. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you, Jake and the Fat Man is the best <laughs> yes. show to be on. I'm telling the you. The ultimate TV show. Fuck. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping, I, I didn't plan for John to know about Jake and the Fat Man, so I could have just pulled this on you mid-episode. Uh, like, it's our version of punking, is I just say this person was in Jake and the Fat Man. But, you know, it still worked out. 
Mm-hmm. Yo, yo, I'm all about this actress. And and her intro, like she has this very distinct smile that I think she's used in every single program we've seen her. She uses it in Ghostbusters. She used it in Full House. Um, Seinfeld, she has the same smile. The Godfather, other Italian smile. things. <laughs> exactly. Wait, was she in the no, Godfather? No, no, no. <laughs> I was just like, wait a second. She's Scarface, not uh, Corleone's you know, wife. El Dolce uh, Vida. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. No, Pineapple the Express. Scene, the, big, the, the big thing for this scene for me is just Guido is like looking for that new job, right? He wants to impress his mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when I saw him doing his job with the two lifeguards with him. He's really ineffective at his own mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. So oh, like, yeah. I, I just don't. It, it's like when people, you know, go into acting or entertainment and you're just like, you know, it's not going to work out for you. <laughs> this is not your path. Somebody needs to tell Guido. Yeah. Well, thankfully, he's not on the show anymore, so no one has to. I think this was, I think this, was this episode was the moment of, hey, hate to break it to you, bud. But yeah. Pull on the carpet. <laughs> um, but after this, we go back to Mitch's house where he has come home with too many groceries. Ooh, he's got it in his mouth. I wrote that exact same <laughs> note and I accentuated too many groceries. Yep. Um, <laughs> and Hobie has made a mess of the kitchen. Uh, oh, no. Uh-oh. Hobie's making chicken Parisian a la Hobie. Which, um, which is odd because everything I looked up, I've never made chicken Parisian, but it everyone says it takes at least a few hours. And because he's, you know, like a four years old, I imagine it's going to take longer than that. <laughs> yeah, I have also never had uh, chicken Parisian. I looked it up. Um, and let me tell you, just as a spoiler, he does not make chicken Parisian. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't recall um, them eating that. That's a slow cook recipe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's also a sauce. And there was that was some dry chicken. Let me tell you. That, I mean, and there was well, I mean, granted, there were enough ingredients on that countertop to I think fill an entire Whole Foods. So I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you got sauce in there whole, somewhere. Whole food, more like whole stomach. Am I right? <laughs> got him. Uh, uh, got him. God. <laughs> um. Also, God, what a 70s dish. Yes. Who who was cooking chicken Parisian in the fucking 90s? The Mitch. same person who made ambrosia salad for every freaking picnic. <laughs> this is yeah. it's very weird because you have this, and then you also have an episode like the one with Kiryu Hiroyuki Tagawa, where they go to a restaurant to get taro burgers. And I'm like, yes. oh, what no. is this weird progressive? No, who has taro burgers even in 2021? Also, taro- it should be Taro. Taro. Hey. Sorry. Taro burgers Reese. would be like Taro West Side Story. Buns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the same thing. Um, but also, we did learn earlier in the season or e- earlier in the series that eel is the most disgusting and weird food that has ever been uh, eaten. So the show is just all over the place, yeah. is what and I'm And in that same season, they also do willingly eat sushi. So I'm confused. Wait, mm-hmm. so so they're complaining about eel, but ultimately eel is just like a, a sea penis. So like, <laughs> well, no, that's I feel like that's that into the phallic symbol. That's a gooey yeah. duck. A gooey duck is a sea penis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <for sure. laughs> um, but Mitch learns that Garner called while he was out, so he calls Garner back and learns about the break-in. 
Um, so Mitch then goes to the police station. But why? Lena. Why would he go yeah, to the I police didn't... station? He's, why, why would you need a lifeguard to go to a police station? He's okay, a lifeguard. This is where I, need, I need clarification on his job. He's strictly a lifeguard, right? The he county. kind of runs, yeah, he runs basically all of Baywatch. Um, he's like part desk job, part lifeguard, part whatever the show needs him to be that week. Right. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say, because he's not a police officer no he no so what he does is he's i mean he's a county lifeguard but also when he needs to he will full-on assassin's creed you know free oh, yeah. running parkour on stuff and then beat up people um mm-hmm. and then make citizens arrests i guess or something the reason he has police powers is because garner one of garner's few personality traits is that he hates the sand and water and the sun and everything to do with beaches. So he's very reluctant to do any police work on the beach. So Mitch just ends up doing it. It's very dumb. That- Isn't that kind of racist too? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it kind of is. The show is also shockingly racist. Who would have thought? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 90s. Racism? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. There's a, there's a <laughs> whole. The, two- the deeper we go. Oh yeah. Uh, the two-part opening to season one is no, a white woman two. going to, oh. or season two, sorry, is a white woman going to the hood to save all the poor children in the ghetto oh, by, hell by no. teaching them. Oh, oh it's real no. bad. They're, they're, season uh. season two, like season three, has had some a low point or two. Season yeah. two was entirely a low point with one single high point, and th- yeah, it's. One of the most racist things I've ever seen, and season three it's feels completely different because of it. Yeah, yeah. this is so, terrifying me that like the Hoff is like a savior role through a lot of this cinema. <laughs> Little bit. Here's oh, the, the weird buddy. part: is yeah, but current Hoff is apparently like a leftist, which is weird. Um, huh. And I, I don't know what to do with that information. I mean, people grow. It's been thirty years. Um, yeah, racism, you know, we got rid of it like, a few years ago, so now it's <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, totally elected changed it. yeah, people are not taking the laws in their own hands lately. Yeah, that's definitely a yeah, thing of the past. Yeah. Remember when we got God. rid of uh, Asian hate back in uh, 2010? Oh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that cleared mm-hmm. out completely. Yeah. So, 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 so this dude gets the call, and he's like, I'm going to be a cop, and then shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like casually, like, hey, I'm gonna insert myself into this crime scene. I, I feel like they Absolutely. they all know Mitch at this point, so yeah. they kind of accept it. Um oh. Yeah. He's also busted yeah. drug rings before, so I guess they're yep. like, he's good enough. Mm-hmm. He's like Batman kinda. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's little he's, bit. he's beach Batman. He's like <laughs> if Batman wasn't dressed, you know, in all black, he'd be dressed in the red flag that Mitch is. Well, he's got the nipple suit going on. So we have that. <laughs> that is true. You want to yeah. learn a fun fact, John? That's that uh, m- a lot of scenes of David Hasselhoff had stunt legs because because he apparently had what was described as little chicken legs. <laughs> he had stunt legs. Yeah, he had stunt oh, yeah. legs. What's hang on? <laughs> I'm find photos of David Hasselhoff's legs now. David Hasselhoff's legs. <laughs> My Google search is gonna be so. Oh, good on wikilegs.com. <laughs> Actually, Morgan, could could I go on your your weird uh, hubcap wiki feet website <laughs> that you made up, and I still don't know if it's real or not, uh, and find his legs. 
Absolutely. My mom has, after hearing that episode, decided oh. she's going to make that a real site. So, Oh, my God. What? On Lifeguard News. Exclusive. <laughs> I was Hasselhoff's Baywatch body double thanks to his chicken leg. Yes! <laughs> Published October 2014. Hang on, I will Wait. show Wait, well, that's a fucking wild year to choose to do that. <laughs> There it is. There's the article for Wait a you. second. Oh, my God. Wait a Aquaticsinternational.blogspot.com. This is from Numi. I don't see much difference between their legs. This oh, is, shit. Numi is his stunt. So Numi is one of the other lifeguards. He's in, originally in Baywatch when they shot their pilot. They shot Numi, this guy, and said, here's him saving some people. Let's do you want to make this show? And they said, fuck, no, this show looks like it sucks. <laughs> and then they got more money and they said, OK, sure. Um, but uh, Numi is still in the show. Mm-hmm. Wow. I did not realize Numi was Hasselhoff's stunt legs. <laughs> I also hate that I understand what that sentence means. Yeah, you know, sometimes <laughs> we all need a stunt leg. I um, stunt legs. Yeah. 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 Right. God, but um, but, that's what I miss about bars. 50 cent stunt leg nights. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, I could go for some barbecue stunt legs right about. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so actually so Hoff goes in here. He gets his stunt legs up the little thing. He joins the policeman and then mm-hmm. he decides to take this as an opportunity to, uh, you know, bring her home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little a hit on her. Some a more. little place in Venice that specializes in experimental cuisine. Is what says. Uh, which, dude, what the fuck? Like, Hobie's making yeah. a multi-hour dish. You need to tell him ahead of time to expect more people. Also, what the fuck? This is just you getting the date she said maybe to. Yeah, it's real bad. Um, but he does give her his coat, so that's something. Um, but yeah, they uh, they all head back to Mitch's house for dinner, and Hobie is once again attempting to be a wingman to... A woman that Mitch should not be dating. Oh, yeah. This has um, happened, uh, I think, four times this season. Yes. Um, it's very um, disturbing. And we we learn that she's going to be in a movie where she's part of a man's harem. And oh. Hobie's like, what does a harem mean? And Lena and Mitch are uncomfortable. And Lena says, it's every man's dream, which I hated. Oh, I, I wrote that as like my keynote for this, too. <laughs> yeah. but here, the, the, the plus up to that moment. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, pal. You can't watch her play a harem girl. What's a harem? It's every man's dream. And then there's this like cue music moment as Hoff sizes her up like she's a Christmas ham. Like, yep. like OK, where am I going to slice first? <laughs> oh, do you want to talk about the music here because i have some things to talk about i have a lot of things to talk about oh is this the uh the costume montage where they're a family yes yes Um, we have we have lots of things to talk about here oh yeah (laughs) Uh, so uh at least in at least in my version uh this is like a smooth r&b song uh where lena is slowly walking on the beach in a dress and then the rest of the montage is just her and mitch as a happy family together with a bunch of kids so John, so you know, there are three versions of this show. Um, yes. There's the one you and I watched, there's the one Morgan watched, and then there's the original airing. And each one has different music. Uh, what? Due to licensing mm-hmm. rights. So Interesting. Okay. The original airing has songs you may actually know. Morgan's mm-hmm. version has songs that are real. I say 
real as if any song is fake. They're like <laughs> real. And maybe someone has heard of them, but they're a bit of an elitist. And our version has songs no one has ever heard of in their fucking life. So let's, yes. Perfect. let's first talk about the original airing, which has a song I'm sure at least John has heard of, which is Damn I Wish It Was Your Lover by Sophie B. Hawkins. <laughs> Do you remember Wait, this that's song? The song? That's the song while he's sizing her up? Yes. Oh, my God. So... Do you remember this song? Yes. So (laughs) let's talk about this song just a little bit. That changes the scene for me. At its peak, that song hit number five on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. And that was on June 27th, 1992. Now, I've looked this up and I actually have the top 10 from the Billboard Hot 100 from that date. And I'd like to go over. So at number 10, we have. The Best Things in Life Are Free by Luther Vandross and Janet Jackson. At, no, okay. at number nine, we have Tennessee by Arrested Development. At eight, that we have Don't Tell My Heart, My Achy Breaky Heart by Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> oh, that's a gem. It is. Yeah. Number seven is If You Asked Me To by Celine Dion. Number six right. is My Lovin' You're Never Gonna Get It by En Vogue. You ain't never gonna get it. Number five was obviously Damn I Wish Was Your Lover, and this was its 11th week on the charts and its wow. highest position. Number four was Jump by Crisscross, Cross, a classic. Oh, wow. Yes, give me that Oshkosh bagosh. <laughs> Number three was Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow. Number Shit. two was Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Hell yeah. And, still carries on. and can you guess what number one was? I mean, it's probably a tough one to figure out, but. Hang on. It was 1992? Yeah, June of 1992. June of 1992. Let's think here. I was two years before. A little hint. This was its second week at number one. Ooh, definitely uh, Skilo, I wish I was a little bit. Oh, no. Ooh, (laughs) guess. That's a great guess, though, but it's not. (laughs) Was it a Whitney? It's a Mariah. Mariah. Well, well, was that fantasy? No. No. Okay. So hang on. So I'm trying to think in terms of like her hits. Oh, was it? No, not always be my baby. That was later. That was later. Um, hang on. I'm thinking. No, now I'm going down a path of Janet Jackson. What was it? <laughs> it was I'll be there. Hmm. <laughs> That didn't oh. last long for her. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no. Now, also, I just want to quickly go over. I also have the top 10 from when it entered the charts, which is also kind of bizarre and wild, which is why I want to talk about them, which is All right. number 10 was Breaking My Heart, Pretty Brown Eyes by Mint Condition. Okay. Number nine sure. was Beauty and the Beast by Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson. Yeah. Wow. Number eight was My Love and You're Never Going to Get It by Unvogue. Number seven was Ain't Too Proud to Beg by TLC. Okay. Number six was Make It Happen by Mariah Carey. Oh, geez. Number five was Masterpiece by Atlantic Star. Number four is one I want you to guess. This is an all-time classic song that everyone knows. However, this is actually its peak on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Huh. This is an absolute classic. You 150% no. I it, I'll, I'll give you yeah. I'll give you a hint. It's not from the 90s. What? Wait. It's from the 70s. 
and it had another hit turnaround. This is actually a bigger hit this time. Huh. I have no idea. It's a bigger hit this time? Yeah. I'm trying to think what resurfaced. Was it a John Denver track? No. It's bigger than that. Oh, man. Was it Bee Gees? Bigger than that. Bigger than Bee Gees? Yeah. Zeppelin? No, no, they're definitely small. It's not Zeppelin. Yeah. Was it... um, like imagine or something like did did Lennon? It's come a back? song that is saying as much as imagine is, but not imagine. I'll give you a strong hint. It's saying as much as, as uh, imagine is by theater kids. Hair? Oh. No. <laughs> I'm just trying to think a seventies track. Like Age of Aquarius? More theater kids sing it than Age of Aquarius. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Now I'm going into like, okay, what are all the songs we as theater kids would sing? Yeah. I don't mean it as like it's a play song as much as a personality type. Oh, a personality type sings. Wait, I will survive? No. Good guess, but no. Oh, uh, Killing Me Softly? I don't know. I'm going down like the path of like every theater kid moment I've had. (laughs) It's one that I feel like is just within your grasp and you're not guessing. Oh, my God. This is this is killing me now. Um, okay, so seventies, bigger hit in the early nineties. Technically, yeah, this is technically this is its highest peak on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. I'll tell you this as well: when it hit the charts, when it came out, it hit thirty three, and now it's number four. Okay, yeah, I got I got nothing. Oh my god, yeah, I'm failing over here, man. Do you want yeah, to know what, what is it? Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. Oh, because of Wayne's World. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No, I mean that is a theater kid song. Yeah. The Wayne's World soundtrack uh, skyrocketed that back. Same thing with um. Oh, what's his name? Alice. Alice Cooper. Yep. Got yeah. 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 See, yep. This is its highest peak ever. Um, and the previous week it was number ten. So yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is number four. Uh, wow. Then uh, number three is Jump by Crisscross. Number two is uh, the worst song ever made in history, uh, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Oh, <laughs> I, just, I hate Clapton. It, it, why do you hate Clapton? Because he's racist. Is he? Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. A, why is it every person like I grew up with he, like comes he forward on, and they're like, oh, my God, you're a horrible person. He, he went on. There's a whole like uh, movement against racism in the UK that started because he went on stage and said England is for the whites. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Like, because that song, I remember when that song came out is because right after he lost his kid. Correct. Correct. Fell off the fell off the building. And I'm like, that's Uh, sad. That's very, very sad. Sure. However, he is a horrible person. Holy. (laughs) Well, uh, God, to make this better, I have saved the best for last. And that is saved the best for last by Vanessa Williams. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So here, here's my question. So Damn I Wish Your Lover was in this episode, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, but which, which of the lyrics were, though? Ah, you see, that is my next point, which is John and I get a song, an original song called Don't Wake Me Up by Didi Benami, who you may Can't know as up. the 10th place. Yes. Thank you. Uh, as the 10th <laughs> place runner up in the ninth season of American Idol. Uh, sure. But that was in 2010, and this remaster came out in 2019. John, I have the lyrics here for you, and I would hope you could sing or or read these lyrics if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. 
Oh, oh my God. So this is what was um, uh, Sharon Norris here. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a taste sample, if you will. I'll give you the Costco version of a sample. Uh, here, I'll even put on Fendi Auto Tune. There we go. Turn oh, wow. Head when I saw you that night. Since then, we made it our paradise. I can't keep my head on straight. I love your colors, wanna be your knight. Ooh. Did I dream you into life? Every moment spent with you feels like I'm in a dream, all right. Hold you safe inside my head, keeping on dreaming till the end. Don't wake me up, don't wake me up, don't wake me up. And then just repeats, don't wake me up over and <laughs> don't over wake, again. Wake me up. During this thing. Can't don't wake, wake me up. Wake me up. Wake me up inside. Yeah, Can't it was wake. that whole thing. My, my favorite. <laughs> you don't have to read the whole thing, but. No, it was. A, here's the thing with that music. This was the lyrics for the music video, right? I was yes. just so enamored yes. with the music video mm-hmm. because why are all of his children dressed like Amish? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm wondering that too. Yeah. I, I have no, she goes from being like this, like, uh, like everything is about her being like the sex symbol to like the most Amish Mennonite, you know, dress you could possibly have. And all of her kids are these Mennonite little kids. And then you have, like, you know, uh, like, country bumpkin Hobie here. It doesn't make any sense. Is this what he wants? None of it. And, but here's the thing. Like, also, the entire music video, they don't get away from the beach. Nope. They're no. just continually walking from shoreline to upper crest of the, uh, of the beach line. <laughs> but it's just slowly, like, looking at each other. And then the Amish kids. And then the Amish kids are populating. And, yeah, Hobie's got the... Specifically, the, 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 the part where the Amish kids appear is the line in the song where they say, hand in hand, skin to skin, ah, ah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, to give you the quote of what leads us to that moment. Tonight I'll love you through the dawn. Damn, we'd rock the night until it's Ugh. gone. Hand in hand, skin in skin. Ah, ah. I'll be your everything, all you need. <laughs> now, this is our version that yeah. we received. Yeah. Now, if you were to reference the lyrics from Damn, I Wish your Was Your Lover, um, this is what's really uncomfortable. Uh, let's see here. Damn, I wish I was your lover. I'll rock you till the daylight comes. Make sure you're smiling and warm. I'm everything. Tonight, I'll be your mother. I'll do such things to ease your pain. Free your mind. You won't be ashamed. Oh, oh, open up on the inside. Gonna fill you up. Gonna make you cry. (laughs) Oh, I don't like that. No, especially not with Amish kids running on the beach. Is the the O-O supposed to equate to the ah-ah in this song? I think it is. I think they literally map this. They do like, yeah, hand to hand, skin to skin. Uh Uh-uh, wait, hang on. Free free your mind, you won't be ashamed. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. It matches. That's definitely, so they they do this all the time where like the song lyrically or musically matches the original song. It's like, we got to do something close enough. Except for, again, we reference this a lot on this podcast, but that one episode where the songs are all about wanting to fuck your brother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are two songs about wanting to fuck your brother. And I'm like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I still don't yeah. get it. Like, it's, his brother is in the episode, but it's all like very sexual. And then it goes, my brother. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Why are you here? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. It's bad. Yeah. But you know what else is bad? This next scene. The rest of this episode? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the next scene. The next scene. Yeah. Would you like to describe Um, it, John? Yeah, this next scene. 
Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so if I'm recalling this uh, uh, correctly, this is the sensual moment where she's looking over at the banister. Yeah. So we we cut to our wonderful uh, cast member of A Lot of Vagina looking at a banister portraits, and she's exquisitely examining one of them in particular, Mm -hmm. which was revealed to us later on. Um, But in comes old old Hoffmeister, Mm -hmm. and he refers to her, still hurt? And her response is, yeah, you know where they tied me up? It's like, wait, a, okay. <laughs> she had just been going through a traumatic event, not just one, but probably two within mm. the past 48 hours of being nearly killed by a flying surfboard, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. being chased down in her home, robbed. Um, who knows if they assaulted her in other ways off cam? And just like, and his thing is just like, you still hurt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What think of that chicken Parisian? Um, <laughs> well, the chicken Parisian was also probably a pretty wild event probably not traumatic but probably a very wild event to be asked on a date and then have a 10 year old be your chef and then find out you're Amish um. yeah, to, find, yeah to, to form an Amish family and so all of this like bills the tension bills the tension bills and then there's the kiss the kiss that sailed a thousand it didn't sail like it was just like pretty uncomfortable. Let's be real. Yeah. it was very uncomfortable yeah immediately shifts to him opening his pocketbook Mm-hmm. Like, is this his usual thing of like, I invited a girl against her will into my home to make her feel somewhat safe, and I kissed her. Here, do I pay you now? Uh, like, that's <laughs> what I interpreted the scene to be. I mean, without the paying part, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, he's done it more than once. It's oh my true. god! There is one such a crap human. There was one. <laughs> yeah, there's one time where it was like a woman he saved, uh, and uh, then they started kissing, and he goes. Nah, because if we did, then we wouldn't stop. And she goes, yeah, it's probably for the best. And he goes, well, and Hobie's here. And she goes, yeah, and Hobie's here. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you should just oh. say no. You shouldn't need Hobie to be your reason. You should just say no. No, also, I, something else I want to point out. I mean, you talked about Karihiro Yuki Dagawa a few times in this episode. The last mm-hmm. time we saw The Mantle was that episode where Karihiro Yuki Dagawa comes in to Mitch's house, breaks in, and cuts, using a knife, Hobie's face out of every picture. Right. <laughs> Which I is forgot very, about that. Very funny. Um, what? And now, <laughs> oh, yeah. all the Hobie faces are back, and I'm like, did you get new pictures taken? That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> like, but there was a key photo that she yes. focused on, yeah. and this is the thing that broke me. <laughs> so this was the, photo, the photo that she was longingly looking at on the mantle is just like like a portrait shot of Mitch and like on the beach as a lifeguard. He's like touching a car or something. Yeah. So like, why would you have this picture of yourself on your mantle? Correct. Yeah. And why would you as a human, whether male, female, in between, you name it, caress a photo in that manner yeah (laughs) at home so like if if it was a photo where it's like you know like john i'm sure you have a photo of you and your pets maybe maybe on my phone right sure but if you were to put in your home like maybe as like a christmas dressing or something like here's a picture of us with our pets that's one thing to all year round have a picture of just yourself um (laughs) what, what what kind of sycophant are you? 
that. Yeah. Like, I know, like, in the cop films, there's always, like, the photo of the cop getting their badge on their day that they graduated from police school or police academy. There's the, you know, the photos of the families, the photos of the pets, like, as what you're saying. This is a singular photo of a single guy just celebrating himself. Yeah. Yeah. And we have yeah, no, no... We have no context for this moment of, like, maybe it could be, like, this was my first day on the job. No, we have no context for this photo. No. And why would she longingly be attracted to it? So that's, that, I, I think, of all the amazing directorial decisions, this is the one that caught me off guard and went, mm, wait a second, to, to, where I feel like mm-hmm. Mitch directed that scene. Oh, yeah, probably, probably. The one that uh, shocked me the most was, so they make out, and then he he's about to say, you could stay here, and then says, I should give you money for the hotel. Surely, yeah. surely you could just let her sleep there and maybe not sleep with her, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not an I, option for Mitch. Yeah, not an I option. Really, I really thought he was going to say, stay here tonight. Like, I pre-wrote my note for this episode, or for this season, For this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Um, but, like, I pre-wrote my notes for this scene when it started, because I was pretty sure I could guess where it was going. And the only thing I got wrong was that uh, he lent her money for the hotel, rather than saying, oh, just crash here on the couch. Oh, Wild. Yeah. You know what else is wrong, um, Yeah. Oh, boy. It's time for another montage. Yes, uh, two in one. Summer. Oh, we've had four or five in one before. <laughs> this show loves its montages because it is cheaper than paying right. There's a, John, there's um, a montage every <laughs> single episode. Oh, yes. bless. Like, every bless. single episode has a music video. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so great. Um... <laughs> But Summer and CJ won't let Guido take a tower, even though his mom's here. But they will take him on a five-mile run while some soft alt-rock plays that sounds like a knockoff version of The Clash. Um, That's what you get. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. They run him through a whole training course where he just can't keep up. Oh, he stumbles and fumbles left and right. First, first, let me share with you, Guido makes this amazing face uh, here. Um if you'd like to look at that picture. <laughs> that face. It's, oh, so, it's good. so good. I'll share that in the show notes. Um, but in in the original airing, they get a song that's called Least Favorite Situation As Heard on Law and Order. Um, <laughs> but I could not find any instance of it being played on Law and Order. So I, I, I like to think that they just pre-assumed that they would be on the background of Law and Order and called it that. But I don't think that's the case. Uh in John and I's version, we get a song called You Gotta Want It by Anderson Ackerson. Yes. And, um, John, here are the lyrics. Um, There's only one key lyric, and I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> Is it ooh? I gotta, I gotta, no, I gotta find it here. Let me see. Yes, right here. I'm gonna give you this lines. Uh, so here we go. They say you gotta want it, that you gotta believe it. Keep on dreaming it, and you'll never be it. Oh, yeah, I want it. Yeah, you know I believe it. This is the key line. And I can harden where I need it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ooh, yeah, you gotta want it. My favorite, my favorite line in this is never been called a tenacious dude, but damn, these ladies really helped me get in the mood. (laughs) Who calls someone a tenacious dude? I've never called someone a tenacious dude. You know, tenacious was was quite the the, the phrase, uh, and you know, this is this, this song is art. This scene is art. 
purely through and through. Yeah. But yeah. This this montage, it's very weird because I understand on one hand this montage was meant for people to be like, ah, hot women. And then you get cuts to Guido. And I, I, I want to see the face of like some like 15 year old in the 90s watching this and be like, oh, get that guy off my screen uh, just so I can enjoy the pain that they're feeling. Speaking of, I do feel like we are skipping over the opening two lines of this song, which is never been much of a running man until bikinis were on the workout plan. I want to ignore uh, that which line. is bad, and I do hate it. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. I like all songs. Yeah. All of, all of this is objectification. Let's oh, yes. The, the entire, oh, yeah. The entire moment is objectification. Not only is it of the women, the lyrics, but also poor Guido, who's doing his damn best, okay? I feel for Guido. I am a Guido. Guido okay. apologist. Yeah. I yes. <laughs> I, I feel for the, the everyman who's trying to get that, you know, lifeguard job. <laughs> just to impress his mom. <laughs> just to impress his mama named Mama. <laughs> hey, that's a my mama. Um I make a best of pizza. <laughs> Uh, let's see. After this, uh, we finally get to see the movie filming and the costumes are pretty gorgeous, but the director doesn't like Lena's performance or Bob's and Mitch comes to watch. Not a whole lot happens here. He does say that the only acting performance he got was from the horse. And I was yes. like, whoa, that's a pretty good horse. Damn. I know yeah. horses could act. Yeah. Um, yeah, at this point, the uh, the robbers show up and they are watching the movie shoot and the director is just horrendously over directing. Like, I know you're a fellow theater person, John. Um, yes. Have you ever experienced a director who gives this level of like, here is your exact character motivations in this scene and exactly why you are doing the things you are doing? Because I don't know that I have. I, I definitely have never experienced a director that shouts about how they're losing the light before lunch. In California. Yes. In California on a beach. Yes. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. never experienced uh, that. I, I, I know when we came into the scene, though, when it, when it was first opening up, I had a moment because I completely had forgotten uh, about the, the harem moment. And mm-hmm. so I had a, a reaction of like, wait a second, what the hell? What are all these genies coming from? <laughs> yeah. Because they were just like, uh, I dream of genie uh, on the set. Mm-hmm. And then. Hoff just walks right into the middle of it mid-take. Yeah. Like, they're setting back to one, and Hoff just rolls up in there like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I can come straight on here and have a conversation with the actress. Yeah. Yeah, apparently this is just a fully open set. Like, just no one gives a shit. Yeah. No one. Clearly. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Mitch says he's there because he has to be there because there has to be a lifeguard, which, okay, sure. But what about all the people walking in the background driving their cars? Do they have to be there? Is this, like, you know, the shape (laughs) of... Like of Chevy's, like what is what is this? I don't know. Dude would get bounced on a set if he like showed up because like I'm doing productions tomorrow. Like if 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 a person like Mitch showed up, he's like, yeah, I'm here. And then we set back to one, and he just walks onto set while we're getting ready to do another take. Dude would get he would get kicked out. Yeah, absolutely. But he's the Hoff, and he would punch them back (laughs) or something. Speaking of. Um, But yeah, at this point, uh, the robbers recognize Lena and Lena recognizes the lighter that one of them has. Um, So she tells Mitch about it and Mitch takes off after them and they run away. Um, 
and they get away. But then Lena and Mitch are talking to Garner about the robbers. They had Lena's lighter. And then they say the name of the episode. Um, and Garner's like, who are we going to get to do a stakeout? There's no cops anywhere in Los Angeles. Uh, and Mitch is like, I'll do it. Um, wow. And- what a guy. Yeah, right? what a guy. The second largest police force in the United States. And only he's available. <laughs> they, right? they just don't like beaches, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, they just, you know, them and their crab stompers, their shoes. <laughs> you know, they don't, uh, it's true. they don't like the beach. Uh, yeah. here's, the, here's the thing about the bad guys. Okay, so these bad guys show up. They they rob the lady. Why do they come back? You're right. I was asking yeah, that, too. Excellent question. Why, Why do they come dumb? back? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, because they come back and they see that she's talking to the cops. And they're like, uh-oh, now we're going to be busted. Fucking what? Why? <laughs> what are you huge. doing? Just drive a little bit further south. Go into, yeah. like, I don't know. Go, go into... Go down the 10. Escape. Yeah. Like, there's ways to get away from this situation other than, oh, no, I guess they're going to find us again if we're wandering around the beach. You guys got a black van. Hide it. Yeah. I mean, th- uh, no one's going to notice that giant black van at at the beach, <laughs> especially not to, next to a bunch of Corvettes. Am I right? Yeah. In a harem film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, sometimes the sheik needs to get in his van and. I don't know what cheeks do, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the actor playing the sheik in that scene. No, he doesn't. No. Um, but after this, we cut to Guido in his lifeguard outfit while his mom watches. And Summer and CJ are watching his mom instead of the beach um, and talking about how nice it is. Which, and then Guido which, which has- is weird. Summer, Summer says that. Guido's hyper-loving mom, who has no goals in life other than seeing her succeed, reminds her of her mom, who has goals as a singer, and is fiercely independent due to having escaped abusive relationships by relocating half halfway across the country with her traumatized mm-hmm. teenage daughter. That sounds exactly like Guido's mom, right? Yeah. Totally. Not exactly. And then she clarifies, oh, it's because his mom is proud of him. And I was like, oh, yes. Okay. So the normal mom <laughs> thing. Okay, great. But like, very proud of him. It's not like, a, yeah, I'm proud of you for doing that. It's not, no, no, no. Mama. Oh, yeah. Proud. She is going to sit on the beach and just watch Guido at work all day. Um, but Sounds thankfully, horrible. Guido uh, has lunch delivered to his mom on the beach, which I don't understand how that works. Do you just yeah, tell also- them? <laughs> this person on the beach here's roughly what they look well, like. We had we did have in season one. Remember they had competing sa- uh, straight to beach sandwich delivery services. Oh, that's true. That's true. They sand to sandwich sandwich shops. Right, <laughs> but they didn't have tongue on Kaiser roll with extra mayo delivery. Yeah, they had like here's a turkey and American cheese sandwich. Yeah, this this seems. Um, now I did have to ask. I did do a poll. Mm-hmm. In a, a Discord uh, that I'm in of of people who claim to be Italian. I can't confirm that they're Italian because <laughs> I haven't gotten their saliva yet. But I'm sure once I get it, I'll confirm it. Now, sure, sure. Uh, tongue on a Kaiser and extra mayo doesn't seem very old country Italian. But I thought I would ask you two Italian folk. Uh, is this what they eat in the old country? Explain. <laughs> Um, I mean, tongue isn't that far off, um, but I don't feel like... What do you mean not far off? Like, is it like foot? (laughs) Like tongue, foot, you know? Well, I mean, the tongue's involved anytime you're eating, so... (laughs) Anytime you're eating a foot. Especially with mama. Oh, yeah. No, 
Gabagool is really what we go for usually. The, 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 the most cursed thought of my mind is any Morgan is any any time the tongue is involved any time you're interacting with the foot is the oh. cursed thought going oh, no. through my mind. Michael. Is, is that is that as cursed as the fact of the delivery man still kept their like chef hat on while they were <laughs> <delivering> <laughs> the <floor laughs> cursed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just fresh made food and wandered on the beach yeah, it's my, yours. Uh, there you go my two yeah. star michelin restaurant you know some people uh like jiro dreams of sushi i have uh chef dreams of tongue <laughs> that wasn't a great joke move on <laughs> yeah you know they can't, they can't all, all be hits they can't all be singers yeah yeah um also it made me very jealous because i fucking miss kaiser rolls and i can't find them anywhere in seattle um but it's fine I'll survive, I guess. Um, I'm sure there's but, a place here that has Kaiser Rolls. There's gotta be, right? I mean, I haven't been able to find one, but you should just, must be. I mean, I'm sure I could do like 40 seconds of Google searching and find a place. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but at this point, Summer and CJ get called away to a rescue, and Guido is still there in uniform when someone comes up to him asking him to rescue her son, so he goes into the so, ocean wait, to wait, save wait. the kid. Mm-hmm. So... Guido has to watch the water. Don't they have other lifeguards to do this? Like you sure nope, won't send nope. everyone to the riptide, dude. Dude, Baywatch is a Highlander like model. All right, <laughs> there's only one. There's only one cop. There's only one. There's only one Highlander. <laughs> and there's only one Guido. The Highlander. Oh, I do. The Highlander. I do want to see the Baywatch Highlander crossover. Guido, the Highlander of Malibu. Yeah. Can you imagine it? Oh, man. Oh. Oh, I love it. Um, But yeah, so Guido has to do a rescue, and thankfully the kid survives as he's giving... I mean, I would say bad CPR, but it's roughly on par with all the other CPR we see in this show. Well, yeah, I had um, a question about that. He was not uh-huh. doing a proper breath technique. He was yeah, kind of no. like loosely breathing and not pumping the water out of the kid. So uh, a repeated um, joke, I say in quotation marks on this show, is that CPR is so close to kissing that everyone wants to be paired up with the prettiest person so that they can make out when they're practicing CPR. Um, like in the this show is terrible. Um, but you know what isn't terrible? Oh, what, uh, there's like, a very interesting moment here I want to talk about, which is please? so Guido does the CPR and the mm-hmm. kid is saved. And then you take a look at him and something has changed. By the way, this is a bit. You don't have to keep <laughs> in the fact that I'm saying this is a bit. Actually, why not do it? It's probably funnier <laughs> that way. You see, Pino, it's also less work for me. Yeah. Uh, sh- sh- okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Guido is now a shell of a man. He realizes yeah. that uh. he is but a, a speck of dust on the sands of Malibu, a, a Where, single grain among what? all the beaches of the world. What what power does he have to even change a life, much less save one? Could it be mm. there never even was a Guido? There was only the idea of a Guido, a man coming to terms the with idea. the... Yes, the idea. A man coming <laughs> to terms with the eldritch-like expectations of power dynamics. Donning a suit would no more give agency than would wearing one give superpowers. This, this is the end. Life has reached the apex through traversing it at the abyss. Guido Torzini is no more. And the world moves on without him. Rest in memory, Guido. 
Oh, but God, that breaks my heart. Yeah, but then he looks at his mama and he's like, ah, I'm fine now. <laughs> he's like, ah, everything's good. I'll just tell her. I'll just tell her I'm good. <laughs> there, there were two ways that that scene could have went. It's just like everybody on the beach starts standing up and saying, I am Guido. I am Guido. <laughs> oh, Captain Mike Guido. Way. Or, or he could have gotten like, wow, you truly are a true lifeguard. And he gets like the honorary title and he becomes a true lifeguard rather than retreating into himself. Well, honestly, yeah. honestly, like we've talked about this before. The ideal is to be a lifeguard because you make bank in 1993. Yeah. You make 20 bucks an hour in 2021 money as a lifeguard. As, wow. as like an 18, if you're like an 18 year old making 20 bucks an hour for an entire summer working like eight hour days, that's money. Oh, yeah. That's insane. That's socialism at its best. <laughs> I mean, as highlighted on that article I shared with you earlier, plus, uh, wow, they, they very much highlight further down this article uh, with some of these photos. Fun in the sun. His tape, of course, included mm-hmm. glimpses of bikini clad girls on the beach. Baywatch became a byword for scenes of scantily clad girls. It's just like, I feel like there's like this through line of just like, you get good money and you got babes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They've they've pointed that out multiple times. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> Very um, unfortunately. But yeah, Guido uh, Guido says that actually he hates the lifeguard life and would rather tell his mom that he's not a lifeguard than ever do this again. Um, but then we get to see Mitch on stakeout with Garner in, in the robbers full, show up in full mm-hmm. Canadian tuxedo. That's what I was oh, about to say. Yeah. His denim lean he's got in that scene. Oh, oh looking through it, like, why did you get that lean on? And then you look at the binoculars <laughs> towards the ocean. Like, if you're staking out, why are you looking at the ocean? Excellent question. <laughs> because the robbers show up behind them on roller skates with kite surfing kites. Wait, um, what? And I was so, Wait, what? I was so mad no. that they weren't just, like, doing cool rollerblades. They don't, they don't do that in our version. Really? Yep. They oh, we don't have that scene. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, because they have the stakeout. Oh. We don't get any of so what, it. All what we happens is, is stakeout. They have Mitch looking through the binoculars, and they cut to Garner in his amazing tracksuit, just randomly accosting those two dudes. Yeah. Well, no, accosting dudes, accosting a woman who's rinsing herself off post beach, like just putting yeah. his hands on random strangers, yeah, and, then going, "Oh, no, sorry," and <laughs> and going to get Mexican food. Very important. Yes. Oh, I get yeah, all of I, that. I wrote down here a keynote. It was taco and objectify women time. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the very beginning of this stakeout scene, in my version, the robbers show up in these like bright neon tracksuits carrying like kite surfing kites on rollerblades. Um, and I was extremely mad that they didn't like rollerblade off a cliff and go kite surfing. That would have been amazing. Um, because that would have been so fucking extreme. Um, I'm upset we didn't get that. Yeah. yeah, I'm really disappointed. All we got was denim, tacos, and uncomfortable <laughs> touches. I mean, denim and tacos kind of sounds amazing, though. Yeah, it sounds like Seattle, honestly. It does. Um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds more like California than it does Seattle. In yeah. A way. But it also sounds like it sounds like the West Coast, basically. Oh, for yeah. Sure. And then so this scene climaxes, I would say it, it climaxes <laughs> with basically what you called out earlier, which is the black and white scene is now in color. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was really fucking weird. <laughs> I did not understand this. Um, it it made no fucking sense. I did not understand what the filmmakers were going for here. It, I, it, I'm so confused. 
Um, but yeah, it ends with that. And then Mitch is going to go help Lena pack her stuff up when and Garner wants to come with so that he can interrogate her, which is, you know, a good thing. Shouldn't you have already do, done I that? Guess. Like you, you would think so. Police report. Yep. And also, she's probably kind of traumatized right now because the robbers are back. Trauma. So maybe don't interrogate. Trauma doesn't exist. Just like a CTE <laughs> doesn't exist. Mm, true. True. Um, but when the two of them leave to go head to Lena's house, the robbers see this and then beat them to Lena's place by quite a bit uh, in time to tie her up and kidnap her and hold her on her porch Um just as Mitch and Garner show up and find the van parked outside. So Mitch is going to go around the side and under the porch while Garner just starts smashing panes of yes. black. Okay, so this, so this, so this moment, I don't know who's worse, the people yeah. who are breaking and entering or the other ones who are breaking and entering. Like, yeah. who's worse here? What, what kind yeah. of police are you? You should know. Just don't throw the glass panes they're gonna hear you <laughs> removing them one by one and smashing it like a toddler who had just discovered the cabinet with the pot if, yeah just like kick the glass at, if you're gonna do that just break it all at once yeah or you don't have to because you could just go another way around in the house right right just break a different <laughs> wall <laughs> yeah it was very dumb and of course the robbers hear this and they're like oh i guess we've been found out time to stand around for a while longer and do nothing. Um, yeah. But then Mitch starts climbing up the balcony and the robbers, for some reason, then realize they can't run because Garner keeps smashing glass. <laughs> um, so they're like, OK, I guess we'll throw her in the water. Um, and then Mitch shows up and knocks them out and it's fine. Oh, one punch, Mitch. He comes oh, in. Oh, yeah. It only he only needs one. Yeah. <laughs> One clean hit to I mean, take down two I, folks. I, I want to see the David Hasselhoff anime. That sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, he um, them so quickly. Yeah. This is this is always how combat goes in this. You definitely get the feeling that, like, David Hasselhoff just was not interested in learning stage combat at all. Because all of his action scenes are just, like, a single badly framed punch. And then it's all over. Um, I mean, yeah, he's he does. He, he's fighting he, like a like a early 90s UFC fighter. Like I just throw a, one punch and they're dead. Well, yeah. like everybody else in this show does learn combat sort of. But they all fight like uh, solid snakes. So they all do like CQC, <laughs> like weird takedowns while Mitch is just like, hiya. And then done. it turns out it turns out love can blossom on the beach. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. <laughs> um. But we've got two more quick scenes. One is that Guido finally decides to tell his mom that he's not a lifeguard. And she's like, yeah, no shit. I obviously you're not. And don't worry, I lie to you, too. This isn't a short trip. I'm coming here to live with you forever. Forever. Morgan, uh, this this mm-hmm. this uh, uh, Guido's mom scene seems very nice. Um, yeah, because you know, she I loves so. she loves her her child and everything that uh, he does. Uh, is your mom this nice? Should I feel bad about the blood feud that I have currently with your mom? So I'm going to I'm going to say, yes, she is that nice. And no, you shouldn't feel bad about the blood. feud. OK, good, good. So I will continue <laughs> the blood. feud. Great. <laughs> um, then we've got one more scene, which is that Mitch and Garner are sad that Lena is living, leaving and they're both single 
And uh, Mitch is like, do you want to take Hobie? And Garner's like, ha ha, fuck no. I hate kids. Um, and that's the end of the episode. But no, but so, so the, this closing scene. Yes. script just goes to absolute shit. Yes. Um, so they basically go through a sequence of like casual catchphrases <laughs> in their responses. So like they start with another day, another dollar. And yeah. It's like, like what response is easy come, easy go. Like we lost it. We like, yeah. we were just trying to fill time at this point and being like, you know what? The Rolling Stone catches no moss. It's like, what are we, what are we we're trying to accomplish here in this moment? They just script, the, just pull it out. The problem is that at this point in the writing process of this episode, um, the writers had run out of cocaine, and so they were <laughs> rushing yeah. to finish the script so they could go buy more. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, the normal experience of meeting someone on a harem film, rescuing them from robbers. Yes, another day, another dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's I, the episode. I, I do have one point here, which is there is a sentence here um, that I think has never been uttered other than this in human history, uh, which is the whiz kid is cooking veal scallopini tonight. And I, I want that to be the yeah. name of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a beautiful line. Um, so before we get into ratings here, I do want to read one of the, the IMDb ratings. Now, one of the ratings uh, was someone randomly happened onto this episode of Baywatch and uh, had I don't think I'd ever watched Baywatch before and still gave it a two out of ten and titled their belief requires suspension of disbelief beyond any mortal man. Um, Whoa. But huh. there is a six out of ten rating. Now, normally, as people familiar with the podcast know, there is a Sand Crab 722 and a Sand Crab 277 who are completely different people on IMDb who give ratings. Somehow. <laughs> yep. But only Sandcrab722 gives a rating this time. Ooh. And he gives it a 6 out of 10. He is the less unhinged of the Sandcrabs, I think, uh, based on this description, which is <laughs> Mitch gets a hot babe from Italy and Guido gets a much less hot babe from Italy. Mitch's storyline <laughs> is cool. Standard Baywatch stuff. Guido's is off the rails. His training is so ridiculously bad, it splashes out into genius. His visitor is shockingly horrible. Excellent and puke concurrently. Oh my All right. God. Yeah. Oh, my God. But as far as our ratings go, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is discovering that love is dead and 10 is discovering that you have a gold-prospecting 49er uncle who left you a gold boot in his will, uh, John... How would you rate this episode and what would you describe that experience as? Oh, man. You know, I went in with very low expectations. The way that I had believed Baywatch over the years to be was just pure objectification of women, exploitation of beach culture. But what I got, <laughs> as I said at the start of this, was an epic. Yes. <laughs> that began with an inciting incident that led to a budding romance that led to conflict. Uh, the, 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 the woman figure was being uh, taken over by a potentially uh, challenging figure. And so the hero had to usurp that and take that over and make sure they maintain control and also give birth to Am Amish babies simultaneously <laughs> while we had a subplot that was uniquely woven like the finest of mosaics <laughs> where we had the Italian 
effectively, it's, it's a story of any, you know, first generation Italian coming to the United States <laughs> looking for that future that could give them shot. Yeah. Having to call back home. Am I a success or am I not? Home arrived. Mm. It was, I mean, it was a fantastic epic. I, I would say in terms of craft, I would give this an 8 out of 10. Mm. Mm-hmm. In All terms right. of how I feel about humanity afterwards, <laughs> I'm in the negatives. Oh, wow. You can't be negative and it's still a negative. Oof. <laughs> Oof. It hurts. It hurts. Uh, yeah. That's damning. Uh, Michael, how about you? What's your rating for this episode? I had a lot of fun with this episode. Uh, I uh, I was not expecting to have this much fun with it. And yeah, I really enjoy And it's I know we keep saying this, but it's important to say that it wasn't racist, really, um, which yeah. is a good plus. Um, yeah, it, it was sexist. Sure. But I'll gladly take, the, you know, the, the baseline of Baywatch, which is sexism rather than sexism and racism. So, yeah. you know, there's that. Um but I had a lot of fun, and I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. And I would say the experience of a 7 is the existence of the Sonic the Hedgehog the movie Discord server. It <laughs> really came to us at a special time in life where I got mm-hmm. I, Someone sent me the tweet saying, there's a Sonic the Hedgehog the movie Discord server. Join it now. And I said, OK. And I joined it. And I was in the first 1,000 people to join said server and so wow. i got a special role called blue blur which made my name blue and everyone's name was blue and you couldn't read who was typing which was <laughs> a nightmare and um you know we ended up seeing all these different servers in there like cosplay fan art sega sonic's chili dog corner which they removed all the images of because someone started posting like uh you know that twitter account uh cakes with threatening auras uh yes they started posting (laughs) pictures from that uh which (laughs) they did not sega apparently did not enjoy (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then people started posting fan art of like dr robotnik like setting up death traps for Mario and they were like, whoa, 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 we can't be like murdering Nintendo characters in here. <laughs> and it just got out of control. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, because it's the pure, unbridled, unified meme chaos that is the internet, but with the added benefit of it being Sonic, who is the ultimate meme icon, the ultimate furry. Uh, and I love Sonic. <laughs> Like, I legitimately love Sonic. And I actually forgot I was supposed to have us rate our our fight scene, um, which... Oh, yeah. Let's, let's just retroactively do that. Morgan, uh, on that fight scene, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is the worst thing you've ever seen, and 10 is the bar fight scene from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, where would you rate it? <laughs> <laughs> now, just to, just to clarify here, we're talking about the fight scene on the balcony where Mitch knocks them out with one punch? Yeah, and the Sonic the Hedgehog movie bar fight scene you have never seen because you've never seen the movie. Now, I would, I would like to uh, offer an exciting update here when it comes to our bar fight ratings. Oh, scale. Yeah. And that is that it has been uh, yet another week that I have not seen the Sonic movie <laughs> or the bar fight scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm, uh, you know, 
I'm going to give this one a nine. Oh, I do. I do feel like, you know, the setting was wrong, obviously. Mm-hmm. Of course. But the speed at which Mitch dispatched those robbers, that is a speed that could only be matched by our favorite blue little hedgehog ball. And that would be Sonny the Hedgehog, a.k.a. Sonic. <laughs> John, have you seen the Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Oh, I loved it. I loved every I did minute too. of that. Just abysmal creation. Would you say that the bar fight <laughs> scene in that movie was worse than uh, the fight scene in this in this episode? Or better? Oh, man. I'm saying it's on par. Oh. I would say the, the, the wow. crap that we saw, the, uh, the, the blue angel of death. Oh. <laughs> folks. Uh, was was quite in part. Now, I was disappointed with this fight scene because there was no Mitch double tap. Mm. Like, when mm. you knock out a person with one punch, you got to double check. He did yeah. not double check. He just went straight for the girl. Well, I mean, that's Fair. that that fits. Um, Sonic is famously horny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what my deviant art search history tells me. My deviant art search history tells me that for an episode of this podcast, I tried to look up Baywatch hentai and found nothing, <laughs> um, which still disappoints me. Yeah. Hang on. You can cry. <laughs> I looked. I didn't find any Baywatch hentai. I found lifeguards, but not Baywatch. Oh my God! Hang on, I think I might have found some. <gasps> yes, well, please feel free to share it in this channel. This is already a curse. Discord. Oh my God! I need yes. to put this into an incognito window. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, it's fine. While, while you are looking up Baywatch hentai, Jesus. I'll go ahead and give my my rating for this episode. Um, yeah, I I thought it was fun. There wasn't anything objectionable. I, Guido had a much better storyline than the last time we saw him. Um, and, you know, overall it was fine. The robbers were kind of dumb and weren't very well acted and the director seemed kind of shitty, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm going to agree with Michael here and give this one a seven. Um, and I am going to say that a seven is the experience of you finally get a fairly large role in a Hollywood movie and you get to at least rent a Corvette for a while, um, and slap a dude, but when you get to set, the director kind of sucks, and it seems like probably the movie's pretty shitty, and no one's gonna watch it. Sorry, it's like a U.S. Bo- oh god! That's oh no! That's oh no! That's Teen that's, Titans. It is, but excuse it's me, also they watch Teen Titans. Yes, a little help here, dear sister. <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, this is still more wholesome than the uh, cool cat saves the kids weird yes. fan drawings we've we've yes. But it's still hentai. Um, I mean, I found a very offensive one if you want that. Go for it. All right. Yeah, fuck it. You're welcome. Here's uh, here's Mitch. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Why do people draw this shit? I thought it was going to be way worse than that. Honestly? I thought it was going to be way worse. Uh, Wow, I am amazing. looking forward to clicking back into this channel next week. And uh, oh my oh god, god. <laughs> oh y'all, we have, y'all, we have a guest. Screw it. We have get another guest this week and a guest yep. next week. Oh, I'm gonna <laughs> love this. Hang on, I found. Uh, oh man, this oh, one's no. called. Oh my god! Yes, wait, please, wait, hang on. Please, this, please. This one had an interesting title. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is Baywatch Part Two: Electric uh, Bangaboo. 
Oh my god! No, I can't share this in your. Uh, yeah, you oh can. My go god. for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go okay, for it. Hang on. I we can to... always delete it. This is a, too bad. This is a private channel. Oh yeah. my! No one yeah, can see this, this except for people who've been guests on this podcast. And... <laughs> there you go. Oh! Oh! Wow. All right. Well, there we go. That is Baywatch hentai. We sure you have, is. You have done it, John. Uh, hey, look, they don't call me Kawaii guy for nothing. All right. <laughs> yeah. You're looking for anime stuff. I got you. You know what? You know what, John? You provide us with beautiful hentai. And as a reward, John, please take all the time in the world you, you want to plug anything. Uh, you got going. Oh. anything well, and everything. I, mean, I can't plug as much as this hentai is doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Oh God, no, it's awful. Uh, I I don't know. I, I I made a lot of stuff over the uh, years on the internet. If you want to see the the full scope of everything I've created, uh, kawaiiguy.com, You can see basically everything I've created from high school up until you know the the eras of the internet that have long since been forgotten. Uh, but I'd still broadcast on twitch.tv slash kawaii guy. So if anybody wants to come around for uh, some Baywatch hentai, no, 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 for actually like family friendly fun stuff. It's gonna say it's about it's as, not really uh, your uh, your forte on Twitch is uh, not really streaming <laughs> hentai. Though here's the thing: like my Twitch audience doesn't really know what I used to create on the internet, so I like to keep it kind of like separate. I do always feel a little bit weird jumping in uh, because I do always feel like, oh, I know some things. <laughs> oh, oh. The, the the early internet knows it. Like even Xerxes sits there and like kind of like quietly giggles in the corner. He's like, "Yeah, I know stuff about you. I I know what you used to make." Uh, but yeah, feel free if anybody ever wants to come check me out. Feel free to hop in. We have a great community, and it's a uh, it's a fantastic out double. Uh, what what is the word? Uh, agree, agree. That's a that's an English second? word. Second, that's that's a agree word. works. Second yeah. agree uh, with um, that. Since yes. uh, John has a great community and John also has a fantastic Twitch stream, please check John out. Yeah, absolutely. That. There will be links in the show notes if you uh, want to go check out some more of John's work. And speaking of John, thank you so much for subjecting yourself to an episode of Baywatch and coming on this podcast with us. It has been a pleasure having you here. Y'all, the pleasure was all Mitch's. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But I hope yeah. I, I hope that means that Mitchell had the pleasure of seeing you again sometime on this mm-hmm. podcast. Well, it depends. I feel like I'm that kid in the ocean. Will Guido come save me? <laughs> Probably not Guido, but maybe something else just as well. But maybe outro? Oh. Um What? Speaking of the outro. Because it rhymes with Guido, kind of. I don't know. What? It was a bad segue. That's like door hinge I don't know. and and and, and <laughs> splorange. Um, but I want to thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I am at Morgan P. Thrat. I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T, S-N-I-T. And we'll see you next week. And Oh, wait, we remember- totally forgot something. <laughs> Oh, no. What did we forget? We forgot to talk about our next episode. Oh, shit. We totally did. We totally did. We were having such a good time looking at hentai that we forgot. To talk about. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, You're welcome. Uh, our next episode is a two parter, which is absolutely wild, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Shattered because 
I'll, I'll give you the Baywatch wiki description, IMDb description, and my description. I haven't seen it, okay. but I know the plot. The plot is Mitch gets paralyzed. That's the plot oh. to a two-parter. Um, oh, boy. That's going to be real bad. Yeah, especially because the episode after the two-parter is Mitch uh, becomes a kickboxer. Sure. So he gets paralyzed. This one does. Unparalyzes kickboxes. Um, I don't know about you, but that's that's what I do. Um, whenever I get paralyzed is I immediately pick up a high octane sport, combat sport. <laughs> um, anyways, the Baywatch wiki description is three teens are trapped on some cliffs with, math- bleh, with massive waves surrounding them. Mitch is soon paralyzed from the cliffs. That's a weird sentence. After rescuing them. And then uh, this line, which I don't get at all, which says Riddick is sent to L.A. to kill Jason. And I'm like, is this a is Vin Diesel going to be on the show? <laughs> is Riddick <laughs> killing Jason like the monster? Like what? Anyways, um, Mitch severely injures his back after striking a rock by a huge wave after rescuing three teens trapped on a reef. And his doctor's report is that he may be a paraplegic for life. Mitch is then sent to a recovery hospital where he befriends Jason, a 10-year-old boy who was soon revealed to be a murder witness in a relocation program. Meanwhile, a corrupt law officer and a drug kingpin arrive in town to find Jason before he can testify against the gangsters responsible. That is our plot for the next episode, and I am awesome. at Snotsnit as an OT and <laughs> And we'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. Ew, ew, ew.